0: Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, is all that pandemic screen time giving you a migraine, or is it just in your head? See what we did there? We'll tell you what to do when remote work and school becomes too much to bear. Also this morning, the state of Ohio is partnering with OSU Extension to expand the reach of the familiar Real Money, Real World program statewide. Treasurer Robert Sprague discusses the significance of this financial literacy tool for students during America Saves Week. The pandemic has demonstrated that reliable high-speed internet access is a necessity in today's world, which is why the most recent COVID relief bill includes a provision which aims to get everyone connected. And the American Academy of Pediatrics is out with new dietary guidelines for children, including, for the first time, guidelines for little ones under the age of two. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, February 25th, 2021.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Dimchak. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for partly sunny skies today and a high of 37. Partly cloudy tonight, low of 21. The latest data from the health department shows that one more Hancock County resident has died of COVID-19. The death toll from the virus in the county now stands at 110. The number of active cases dropped by one and is now at 83. Only two people are currently hospitalized with the virus in Hancock County. Meantime, Ohio still has a long way to go to get the state's elderly population vaccinated.
0: Nearly 60 percent of people 80 and older have received their first dose, while 50 percent of those 75 to 79, 38 percent of those 70 to 74 and 24 percent of people 65 to 69 have received their first dose.
1: That's ONN's Andrew Kinsey reporting. Ohioans age 65 and up are currently eligible to get the COVID vaccine Hancock County is still vaccinating the 70 and older age group this week and hopes to get uh, 65 and up next week. Get more COVID data and resources on our website. Many bar and restaurant owners are saying they haven't seen much of a boost in business since the statewide COVID curfew was lifted.
2: It hasn't really increased our business uh, that much. We've had people stick around a little
1: bit longer. The Ohio Restaurant Association says more than 70% of bars and restaurants across the state are reporting no change in business since the curfew was lifted. Get more on our website. Potholes are really starting to show up on the roadways that have been taking a beating from the freezing and thawing of the winter months in Ohio. If your vehicle is damaged by a pothole in Ohio, the state might pay for the repairs. The Ohio Department of Transportation is urging people to report damaged vehicles caused by potholes or debris on the road immediately immediately. Then a claim agent with the state will be in touch to assess the damage and possibly offer compensation. On our website, you'll find a link to the form to fill out for compensation. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: It is quiet day today. Shh. Everybody be very quiet.
1: Be very, very quiet.
0: Um, It is also Digital Learning Day, which I thought was, that gave me a chuckle, Digital Learning Day. (laughs) We've had quite a few of those over the past year, to the point where a lot of folks have had enough of Digital Learning. (laughs) But nonetheless, Digital Learning Day today. Let's all eat right day today. Well, okay then. It is Introduce a Girl to Engineering Day National Chili Day, National Chocolate-Covered Peanuts Day, National Clam Chowder Day today, and it is the Great American Spit Out today. The Great American Spit Out. You're familiar with the Great American Smoke Out, which urges people to dump cigarettes for a day. The Great American Spit Out raises awareness about the harmful effects of smokeless tobacco. So that's the day today. Uh, If you need a reason to celebrate So there have been uh, lots of effects on people's lives from pandemic quarantines. This is today's coronavirus story. Uh, Some of the effects from the pandemic have been good and some have been bad. This, however, is an unexpected one, and you can decide for yourself whether this is good or bad. A new survey finds that couples are more comfortable using the bathroom in front of each other as a result of the pandemic. Uh, It is a a one poll survey for NatraCare of uh, 2,000 Americans uh, who are living with a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. 2,000 Americans who live with their significant other uh, since at least the start of the pandemic finds that 30% admitted to (laughs) using the bathroom with the door open for the first time during quarantine. And 25% uh, admitted to, well, 30% admitted doing number one, 25% admitted to doing number two (laughs) in front of their partner for the first time. Uh, A much greater 70% said that uh, uh, taking a bath, uh, bathing in front of their partner was something that they did for the first time. Uh, during the uh, pandemic, a little under one-third, 31%, said that they are comfortable talking to their partner while they are on the loo, but their partner is not. <laughs> They're fine with it, but their partner is, don't talk to me right now, just wait till you're done. Um, <laughs> in an interesting result, 64% said figuring out how to set or change bathroom, bathroom bra. said figuring out how to set or change bathroom boundaries with their partner has been an important step in their relationship. And 60% said that discussing bathroom-related topics with their partner has strengthened their relationship, even though it was, admittedly, awkward at first. (laughs) I saw saw that, and I was like, well, now we gotta talk about this today, because this... Uh, This is something. So have your bathroom habits changed because of the pandemic? You spend all this time with uh, your significant other in quarantine. You just have no secrets anymore. (laughs) Um, I said it was an unexpected effect of the uh, quarantine. I would imagine that when all of this started, this was one of those things no one could have predicted. And yet here we are. So there you go, today's coronavirus-related story. Speaking of the uh, coronavirus, the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine, what they say it's going to be uh, green-lighted this week and and uh, could be available by the weekend, by the uh, first of, of next week. It'll be out there. People will be getting... This may be a game-changer. One shot. Doesn't have to be super-cooled. It is not based on the... Newer messenger RNA technology. It's tried-and-true technology, the same type of technology as the mumps and polio and measles vaccine and the chickenpox vaccine, all of those. So presumably people will be more comfortable with it and uh, still offers a very high level of protection, 100% protection against hospitalizations. So this could be a game-changer, definitely a story to watch Today, the big stories of the day. Here's another one. A couple of uh, lawmakers, uh, Representatives Karen Bass of California and Jerry Nadler of New York, both the Democrats, introduced yesterday, reintroduced actually, a policing reform legislation, a piece of p- policing reform legislation named after George Floyd that was first put forward last year amid the po- protests in wake of. Uh, George Floyd's death in Minneapolis. The George Floyd Justice in Policing Act did pass the House at the time with bipartisan support, but did not make any headway in the Senate, which was then Republican controlled. Now, of course, it's a 50-50 split. Vice President Kamala Harris with the deciding vote. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this legislation, this go around. It would, among other things, ban chokeholds at the federal level, most individual departments have banned chokeholds. Not all, but but many. This would do, do so at the federal level. It would also ban no-knock warrants, overhaul qualified immunity for police officers, and create a National Police Misconduct Registry that would prevent officers who were fired for misconduct from being hired by another police department. Um, without uh, doing their due diligence, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. The uh, stories that we're talking about this morning, a <clears throat> couple of other uh, interesting news items. You know, uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz stirred up controversy last week when he uh, zipped out of uh, ice cold Texas to uh, jet down to Cancun with his uh, with his family. Now, a Dallas area party store is looking to cash in on the controversy, they have created a Ted Cruz (laughs) piñata. Shows him wearing his Texas flag face mask, which he was snapped uh, wearing at the airport. He's wearing a gray shirt and jeans in the outfit that resembles what he was wearing when he landed back in Houston last week. Following the backlash, um, Cruz cut his trip short, later admitting to reporters that it was a mistake And that in hindsight, I wouldn't have done it, he said. Uh, The uh, party store unveiled the pinata on Monday around noon and reported they already had five or six orders by 5 p.m. the same day. Each pinata, they say, is handmade, is three and a half feet tall, takes three to five days to make, and costs $100. It's currently a two week wait. (laughs) The list to get one. The Ted Cruz pinata. Oh, my goodness. And finally, among the first things you need to know today, the most buzzworthy stories, this is one, if you have not seen this, you got to look this up. People in one tiny village in eastern Russia are discovering that their dogs are turning pink and blue. Their dogs are turning pink and blue in this town, and no one knows for sure why that is. Uh, The town of Zerzinsk, which is about 250 miles away from Moscow, is experiencing the odd phenomenon where the fur of the dogs are turning odd colors. Now, the area is close to an abandoned chemical plant, which used to produce uh, hydrocyanic acid. Uh, That particular acid is a key ingredient in making the dye known as Prussian blue. Well, dogs are literally turning blue and pink inside and out, and their stool is uh, turning colors as well. So uh, people are getting a little worried. So far, the only symptom is a change in color. No other side effects have been detected, including no signs of irritating chemical burns. So they're not sure if it's related to the chemical plant because the chemical <coughs> that they use to produce the plant is toxic but they don't have any uh, issues with that but a local veterinarian is pinning the blame on some kind of unknown chemical leak he and fellow residents are petitioning authorities to investigate a potential chemical dump saying that there was a ton of toxic waste unloaded in the area after the cold war in addition the area is also close to a defense plant for the animals experiencing a case of the blues, such as it is, the dogs will remain under observation for about a month. No plans have been made uh, about the pooches turning pink. And health officials are trying to figure out if the color swaps are related or if the great pinkening is an entirely separate phenomenon. So nobody exactly knows what's going on here. It's a crazy story. Look that up. And uh, it is uh, it's really bizarre. Anyway, one of those uh, buzzworthy stories, definitely. And the most interesting items to get your Thursday morning started here today. You can help recognize outstanding teachers in Findlay and Hancock County. Nominate a current teacher who made a difference in your life for the Findlay Rotary Club's Golden Apple Awards. Place your nomination online at FindlayRotary.org. Nomination deadline is April 2nd. Please promote the work, dedication, and achievements of all teachers
1: by nominating an excellent teacher for the Golden Apple Awards. This message provided by WFIN.
0: Well, to your health this morning, nearly 39 million people in the U.S., about 12% of the population experience migraines up to 28 percent of teens 10 percent of all school-aged children between the ages of 15 and 19 37 percent of children find that their schoolwork suffers during periods of migraines which i suppose you would expect well since the onset of the pandemic and the reason we bring this up Uh, Record numbers of Americans are working and learning from home, and more screen time means more headaches. Joining us is Dr. Jennifer McVig, board-certified physician in pediatric neurology at the Dent Neurological Institute in Buffalo, New York. And uh, Dr. McVig, first of all, difference between migraines and headaches. A migraine is more than just a really bad headache, which is, I think, what a lot of us kind of consider.
3: Yes, correct. I mean, I think everybody attributes, a lot of people attribute their headache to sinus and things like that. And and mostly, most of the time it's not sinus. Um, a migraine is defined by very moderate to severe intensity of pain uh, with light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, possibly nausea. You could vomit, but you don't have to vomit. It doesn't have to have that. Um, and oftentimes you have to sit down or, or seek out a place to rest that's quiet when you get the headache.
0: So, Talk about this uh, connection between uh, additional, uh, all of this uh, added screen time that we've experienced over the course of the past several months, working and learning from home and uh, Zoom calls with family and friends, all of this extra screen time. Is there a link between that and an increased uh, number of, of headaches and even migraines?
3: Yeah, we've seen a, a tremendous increase in the, in the frequency of uh, people coming in that have either had a preexisting history of migraine that have worsened while being on the computers for school or work um, or new onset cases. Uh, and I think some of it is not only the screen time and the being on the computer or the phone itself, but also the posture that we have when we're doing this and hmm. sitting for so long and pushing our neck forward and, and all
0: that. So, the so the triggers uh, uh, for these things, uh, I mean, would you consider uh, screen time in and of itself a trigger? You mentioned posture. Is that a trigger? I mean, what are the triggers that we want to watch for?
3: So, those could be triggers for certain individuals. Um, not everything is a trigger for everyone. Um, some of the common ones are stress, which is very difficult to control right now, especially. Sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, sleep irregularity, um, and not drinking enough water, those are the, the most common triggers.
0: So with that in mind, and again, realizing that there's not really a whole lot we can do at this point about the amount of screen time that we have. I mean, you know, it is, it is what it is, is the old saying. Uh, what do you do? Uh, how do you identify and mitigate those risks?
3: I think especially if you have teenagers or adolescents, asking them how they're feeling, how their back is feeling, their neck is feeling, um, giving them frequent breaks. You know, when they're taking a break in between classes, walk around, stretch, go outside for a minute, get some fresh air. Um, don't be on your phone with your friends, texting right in between everything. Um, and even for adults as well, you know, get just walk. Walk, get out, get out, and clear your head for a little while, and then come back and sit down and regroup afterwards.
0: Yeah, it's important to point out that you know we're we're talking not only to kids. I mean, we want to highlight this with young people because I think sometimes we uh, maybe overlook the risk when it comes to uh, kids and teens. Um, but we want to make sure that we recognize that the risk exists for all of us. And you also uh, say that there is a wearable that we can use that can, that can help mitigate some of this in some cases, right?
3: Yes. Um, Nerivio uh, is, the new, is it's a new device. Um, it's the first drug-free therapy that's been cleared by the FDA for the acute treatment in adolescents and teens, which is why we're, we're super excited about, about that indication. But um, it's also indicated an, an FDA cleared for adults as well. Um, It's worn on the the upper arm. It's a a band that goes around the upper arm, and it just feels like a a, a vibrating sensation. Uh, For about 45 minutes, you wear it very inconspicuous underneath your clothing, Um, and it helps through neuromodulation to to stop the headache, and and a lot of patients in the studies have found that they've had pain pain freedom or pain relief and have stayed uh, with pain freedom and pain, pain relief for a significant period of time.
0: So the bottom line, what I hear you saying is is knowing what to watch for that may potentially trigger uh, a headache or a migraine, uh, some uh, simple things that we can do to mitigate the risks, but absent all of that, if those things don't work, there are uh, treatments that are available. Um, when do we know when it's time to pick up the phone and call the doctor and say, hey, I think we've got an issue that, that we're you know having trouble mitigating ourselves?
3: Well, typically, we, we usually say if patients are having a, a migraine more than four times in a month, then they really need to seek help. Uh, the problem is is that if you let it go, it can turn into chronic migraine, which is much, much harder to treat. And using over-the-counter medications are not always uh, good for some patients because they overuse them. If you use a over-the-counter uh, analgesic more than three days a week, it can turn into a rebound headache. Um, And you can actually be causing your own headache. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I I think if you're in that situation, you need to seek out help from your physician. There are, um, you know, medications that are very safe and easy uh, with a low side effect profile, such as Narivio. Um, You don't have to worry. uh, And and you can talk to your doctor, have that conversation and, and feel better.
0: All great information to know, again, because, uh, like we said, it is what it is. We are uh, kind of uh, stuck with the situation that we have right now with so much screen time. That's more than likely not going to change in the short term. Uh, So if you're having issues with that, now is the time to recognize that and and, uh, maybe get the uh, help that you need. Again, Dr. Jennifer McVig, the Dent Neurologic Institute, Buffalo, New York. Dr. McVig, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, in case you missed it, this is America Saves Week, designed to emphasize the importance of planning and overall good financial health. The State of Ohio Treasurer's Office has announced this week that it is partnering with OSU Extension to expand the reach of the familiar Real Money, Real World program statewide, and Treasurer Robert Sprague is with us this morning. And. Robert, I know that many people in this area are familiar with this program. The Hancock County Extension Office, uh, WFIN, in fact, ha- have been uh, helping to put this program on for many years in the Finley and Hancock County schools. Uh, many people who are listening uh, may have uh, gone through the program before. So this is something that you are very much familiar with.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I've seen it live and in person through via my children as well. My son went through the program and just had a fantastic experience, and so when we went down to Columbus, and we're talking about financial literacy and how meaningful that is to having a sound and prosperous financial future for Ohioans in the treasurer's office, and we're looking at all these programs, we wanted to find something that worked, and that's why we're so excited about this partnership with OSU Extension.
0: So explain why you felt it was important for the state to get behind uh, this financial literacy program for students.
4: Well, because, look, the fact is, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time on algebra, too, and finding the focus and the direct of a parabola. And not everybody uses that once they graduate from high school. But everybody has a checkbook or a debit card, a savings account, and a checking account. Everybody needs to know how to budget and, you know, uh, figure out how to create a monthly budget for themselves, a monthly income and, and do, you know, a lot of these uh, financial things or the things that uh, really you're going to use each and every day in the rest of your life. And so and yet we spend so very little time on that uh, with kids when they're in high school. And a lot of times when they graduate, they don't have. A lot of financial knowledge. So we thought, hey, this is something that we could have an impact in. We should, as the treasurer's office, uh, we want to. You know, our mission statement is to invest wisely in financial in our financial future for the state of Ohio. And a part of that is investing in our kids and making sure they understand about finance and real money, real world. Is extremely effective because it's experiential learning. Mm. The kids actually get to go through a process at the school.
0: Yeah, I I was going to ask for those who uh, maybe are not familiar with the program, uh, explain why this is so uh, effective and why this is such a good program uh, in particular.
4: Well, first of all, it's genius by OSU Extension. I mean, they're a top-flight organization. Everything they do through the 4-H uh, education and, and everything they do through kids is really remarkable. But they've developed this curriculum, and essentially what they do is you know, they allow the kids to get in a room. They explain to them uh, some fundamental concepts, and then they go through a simulation. Uh, and one of the things that my son learned uh, was that uh, it, the, if you had four pets— in your simulation, they got expensive real quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: All of a sudden you didn't have a whole money, a whole lot of money left over for anything else, including food. And, uh, you know, that's something that they remember right after school, because they went through it. They got to see kind of how money works. They got to make real decisions, even though it was in the simulator and they got to learn from those decisions. Uh, and so, you know, it sticks, it sticks with them. And, and it's this interactive nature that, that uh, allows them to make budget choices and remember some of those things after they're done.
0: As good as this program is, uh, as well as it drives the message home and lays the groundwork for students, it is not a comprehensive curriculum uh in that it delivers the why, but doesn't necessarily go very deep into the how. And unfortunately, that is still something that many young people end up learning the hard way. What is the next step to making sure that that kids turn into financially literate adults?
4: You know, uh, one of the things that we have on our website are are some resources that people can go to when they're ready to take that next step. They've got that fundamental financial understanding. They're ready to take the next step. They can go to our website. We'll teach them about budgeting. We've got some great budgeting resources on our website that allow them to create a budget, industry, uh, industry best practices. Um, they can go and understand about savings. They can understand a little bit. Um, about how debt plays into their life, whether it's credit card debt or taking out a loan uh, for a mortgage or a car. And you know we've got some, some, some great things on our website that people can learn from. But we are so excited to be partners, partnering with OSU Extension because they, uh, this week or during um, Ohio Saves Week, have announced a, a dramatic uh, update to their curriculum. And so they're trying to take that next step within the simulation, of including uh, additional information. Uh, And we're so excited uh, to be a partner with them in this and get out into the schools and really tell that story to our kids and give them an exposure to this curriculum that actually produces real results and helps kids learn some of those uh, financial fundamentals.
0: You you mentioned some of the other resources that the treasurer's office has available for Ohio citizens to attain greater financial literacy and greater financial security. And I wanted to ask, is there a need for more uh, such resources? Because we often talk about making investments that pay dividends in the long term. And we use cliches like giving people a hand up instead of a handout. And it would seem that helping people of all ages and income levels attain a greater level of financial literacy. Uh, and financial security would pay an awful lot of dividends down the road if it leads to less of a demand for uh, so many of the social service programs uh, that one could trace back to a lack of financial literacy and financial security. I mean, people who aren't living paycheck to paycheck are better, better able to weather financial hardships without becoming uh, a drain on the system. So is there a need for more such resources uh, for, for people, both uh, young people and uh, adults alike?
4: Now, I th- I think so. But, but I think that, you know, the other element of this is true. I mean, you know, as you, as you become an adult, you learn these things because you have to, you know, right. and, but I think, you know, what we could do is try to make it, um, you know, maybe not, they they don't start out from behind the eight ball. And, you right. know, one of the most important decisions that kids make is if they're going off to school is how to pay for additional education. It might be college or, 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 or an apprenticeship or a skill and, or a certification. And, You know, they're taking out loans to be able to do it, and they don't think a whole lot about what that's going to mean for them in the future in terms of having to pay that Mm -hmm. each and every month. And, you know, I think, you know, some of these basic financial tools are a real benefit to kids, even just as they're leaving high school. It makes their transition into adulthood a lot easier. It's not a panacea. I don't want to describe it like that. It's not going to fix all of Ohio's uh, financial problems, but it's definitely a step in the right direction, and that's our commitment is to work with OSU Extension, get this into as many schools and have as many kids experience it in the state of Ohio as we can. You know, it's in 45 of Ohio's 88 counties right now. We know it's in Hancock County because right. of our great partners <laughs> like WFIN and and, uh, and and the school systems. But we can do more. We can get it into more counties and more schools. And if anybody's out there listening and they want to have this in their classrooms, I mean, please visit our website, go to www.ohiotreasure.gov. And from there, we can direct you to OSU Extension and make sure that this program gets into your school.
0: And you know, this uh, does go beyond. It's worth pointing out. This goes beyond, uh, you know, career path or income level. I mean, there are there are uh, doctors and lawyers and very wealthy people who are still living paycheck to paycheck, uh, and and those who are uh, you know lower on the income scale who are much more financially secure. So it's really not uh, about income level it's about managing you know the the income and the resources that you have
4: well and i think it's a, it's a little bit like maybe a, like losing weight you know as you as you kind of get better at it you know and you manage your diet you yeah. manage your exercise you start to manage all this and you see progress you get more excited about it and you know same thing with having a budget and managing your finances you know as you see a little bit of growth and you're able to put some things away for a rainy day or to buy that thing that you've been saving for and that you budgeted for and that you want um, you know, people gain power over their lives, and this is really about empowerment of of an entire generation. And so that's why we're doing this, and it's it's going to make a difference. We think in communities throughout the state, here in Findlay, uh, in Columbus, and everywhere
5: else as well.
0: Again, in conjunction with America Saves Week, the Ohio Treasurer's Office partnering with uh, OSU Extension to expand the reach of the Real Money Real World program statewide. Treasurer Robert Sprague with us this morning. Mr. Sprague, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
4: Thank you so much, Chris. A Great pleasure.
0: Well, if we didn't know it before, the pandemic has certainly demonstrated just how essential reliable internet connectivity is in the 21st century. One provision of the latest COVID relief bill aims to make mobile internet service available at little or no cost for those who don't already have it. Uh, Isa Assad is CEO of Q Link Wireless. And Mr. Assad, you say that nearly one in three Americans actually qualify for this benefit?
2: Yes, sir. One in three Americans throughout the United States uh, qualify for the program, uh, over 10 million unemployed and about uh, 42 million students
0: so now this is something that is an extension of a program that has been around for years that provided lifeline wired telephone service and then was expanded to mobile phone service and now to mobile internet service correct i mean this is kind of the next logical extension of a program that's been around for a while
2: founded in 1984 at the Ronald Reagan, and it provided internet, I'm sorry, phone service for homes. Mm -hmm. Over the past two decades, we've seen through different hurricanes and different national disasters and even a pandemic, that internet has become an essential item that people need. It's no longer a luxury. And uh, this is what the program has expanded to, and it's about time.
0: And and the point being here, and the reason I bring that up, is that uh, even though we are talking about this in the context of the pandemic and the provision was in the COVID relief bill, uh, it is not a limited time benefit this is an ongoing program moving forward correct
2: the emergency broadband benefit program ends at the end of the year and the difference with that one is it offers unlimited talk unlimited text and unlimited data the lifeline program offers a much smaller allocation okay. it offers five gigs of data
0: gotcha so explain this program and how it works
2: the way that the program works is a consumer would visit us online at www.qlinkwireless.com. They would fill out a five to ten minute application. That application is then instantly sent to the FCC, and a consumer is automatically approved. Once approved, we send the consumer out what they need to get started within a few days, and by the end of the few days they should have uh, internet service at their home and it's wireless so they can take it wherever they need
0: and uh, as we mentioned people can sign up and and beginning uh, begin using the service immediately so there's there's not a waiting period or this is not something that goes into effect at some point in the future it is currently available now
2: it is currently available now and does not go affect. I mean, does not go away in the future. They roll over from the emergency broadband into Lifeline. The emergency broadband program starts on February twenty fifth, and uh, will continue on.
0: Now, uh, we mention little to no cost. This is actually a a no cost program if you qualify. Correct.
2: Correct. The consumer would never receive a bill for activations or services, and they would keep throughout the life of the program. So, there is no bill or sticker shock afterwards or before.
0: What happens moving forward? I mean, is there is there an expiration? Is there a time uh, when uh, somebody may no longer qualify for the program, and what happens then? I mean, kind of give us the long term outlook yeah. here.
2: Well, well, the program was originally founded to help the people that are in need. So today we have 10 million, like I said, millions of unemployed people and people that participate in food stamps and SNAP Mm -hmm. and Medicaid. Those consumers, as long as they participate ongoing, they will always qualify for the program. And we hope that people eventually get off those programs when their economic situation improves and they won't need this service anymore.
0: Now, again, for those who want more information about this, we're going to put this out there and let people know that this uh, program does exist. For those who want to learn more uh, and and perhaps apply, mention again the uh, website, uh, your website, where folks can get more information.
2: Our website is www.qlinkwireless.com. And they can sign up right online and be able to get service to them in
0: the next few days. We'll have the link up at our webpage as well. Again, uh, Issa Assad, CEO of QLink link Wireless. Uh, Mr. Assad, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me today.
0: Now, again, QLink is not the sole provider uh, for this. We should point out that there are uh, other uh, providers who are part of this program as well. But we do have that link up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net to learn more. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. This report on the odd and unusual side of the news is brought to you as a public service of Hancock County Veteran Services. And uh, this this is something you don't see every day. A landlord in Albany, New York, has been charged with kidnapping after allegedly kidnapping two of his tenants and dumping them in a graveyard. <laughs> The the landlord, 48-year-old Sean Douglas, allegedly bound the sleeping tenants with zip ties and tape uh, and then placed pillowcases over their heads and drove them at gunpoint to a rural cemetery before dumping them in the snow. This is according to uh, law enforcement sources and police records. Why did he do this, you might ask? Well, Mr. Douglas had apparently grown frustrated because he had been unable to evict the tenants due to COVID-19 restrictions. <laughs> wow, that is uh, that is taking it to an extreme. Uh, police, uh, re- police records uh, indicate that uh, Mr. Douglas had been arrested previously for charges ranging from assault to violating an order of protection he was arrested Monday afternoon and arraigned on charges of second degree kidnapping and held on fifty thousand dollars bail. <laughs> I mean, he he zip tied duct tape. Uh his tenants placed pillowcases over their heads and drove them at gunpoint to a cemetery and dumped them in the snow. I don't know about you, but I think I'd be looking for a new apartment. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I would you wouldn't have to evict me. I think I would be out uh of my own volition after that. (laughs) Man. It's taking it to an extreme. Elsewhere in the broken news this morning, people get into disagreements all the time, but usually they don't get spray-painted in the process. Police in Framingham, California, say a woman was spray-painted in a parking lot on Sunday afternoon. They say the woman was sitting in a car... Uh, Sitting in her car at the time of the attack and was spray-painted on her face and neck. The car and window frame were also damaged. The man who did it was arrested and charged with assault and and battery with a dangerous weapon, among other things. No word on what their specific disagreement was. No, no, nobody. They haven't been able to figure out exactly what the uh, disagreement was, but this woman was spray-painted in the parking lot. Was she in his spot? Or I don't know. Uh, again, seems pretty extreme. couple from uh, Arizona purchased a uh, green glowworm toy for their young daughter at a thrift store in El Mirage, Arizona, last week. When they got it home, they decided it's probably best to, to wash the toy before giving it to their daughter. As it had been previously owned. I mean, it was a thrift store after all. So they go to to put it in the wash. But during the cleaning process, they found that the toy had been stuffed with a sandwich bag containing 5,000 fentanyl pills. Now that's not... I mean, normally you expect those little uh, styrofoam pellets or, or something. Not 5,000 fentanyl pills. They contacted... Uh, police there in phoenix who seized the stash of drugs i don't know what the street value of that would be but that's, that's pretty wild um elsewhere in the uh, broken news this is kind of a sad story uh three rare giraffes are dead after walking into power lines at a wildlife conservation in kenya i mean it's sad and these are our rare giraffes, the Rothschild giraffe. There are only about 600 of them in the wild out of the 2800 uh, 28,000 giraffes that roam across the country of Kenya. So these are very rare. But on the other hand, you got to think shouldn't somebody have thought about low-hanging power lines and animals with big long, tall animals with big long necks that this might be a problem? Um yeah, they walked into the low-hanging wires officials from the kenya power and lighting company say they have begun replacing electricity poles in the area uh and they had actually started doing that prior to the accident i'm guessing they've speeded up that process now you would hope so uh, conservationists say power lines have killed all kinds of animals uh, for far too long and should... it's crazy and finally, in the broken news this morning, always seize upon the, idea, uh, the opportunity to make fun of that school up north. The University of Michigan is apologizing for having to close their library because of all the spiders. Report of the Detroit Free Press says three Mediterranean recluse spiders, which are venomous, were located inside the uh, basement of the school library. Uh, problem Uh, The area cannot be accessed by students. Still, the library shuttered Sunday into Monday to go on spider lockdown, according to uh, Kim Bokhizen, who works at the university's Office of Public Affairs. She admits the closure was a mistake, telling students who were left without a place to study, we apologize for the inconvenience to the university community. An exterminator did come to the scene and treated the area for its spider problem and officials say students have nothing to worry about. No reason to worry. We just have dangerous venomous spiders in the library. So how did bug experts know the difference between a regular recluse and a Mediterranean recluse? Apparently, it is in their genitalia. Whatever that means. There you go. That is closed because of all the spiders. Yikes. There you go. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual, the lighter side of the news, a service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
4: For a year, we've worked from home, kept kids out of school, canceled holidays and vacations, put up with postponed sports, gave up nights out, and more. You may be wondering how much of the old normal will come back and are Zoom calls and working from home here for good? You have questions, and that's why we're committed to keeping you up to date with the latest information. It's here at 1330
0: WFIN, 95.5 FM, and at WFIN.com. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Earlier, we were talking about all of that pandemic screen time that may be giving you a headache or even a migraine. That is not the only thing that uh, is making us weary of all of the video conferences. If you're growing tired of all of this, you are not alone. Stanford University researchers have found that there are four main reasons why video chats um are are fatiguing for human beings number one excessive amounts of close-up eye contact is highly intense uh faces on video calls can appear can appear too large for comfort which uh and and we've all experienced that right on one of your video chats or the coworker, or even with family and friends where the the camera's like zoomed in right on the face that's the that's the thing fills up the entire screen uh, faces on video calls can appear too large for comfort, which simulates a personal space that you normally experience when you're with someone uh, face-to-face. You're, you're you know, kind of crowding me. you're in my personal space. Number two, they say seeing yourself during video chats constantly and in real time is fatiguing. Studies have shown that seeing your reflection repeatedly makes you more critical of yourself. And so there's some of that at play. Uh, that, I think, is easily fixable because you can turn off the window that shows your camera and what it what you look like to others. So maybe turn that off might help. Uh, reason number three why video chats are so fatiguing for us because they dramatically reduce the amount of usual mobility movement is limited in an unnatural way due to the limited limitations of video chatting. Now that being said, there are those devices that where the where the camera uh, where a smart camera kind of follows you around as you move around the room, and so maybe one of those might might help in that regard. But that is one other reason why these things can become so fatiguing. And number four. The cognitive load is much higher in video video chats. In other words, we have to work harder to send and interpret gestures and nonverbal cues. And that can be draining uh, physically and emotionally. Uh, There are ways to deal with certain issues. Uh, It says certain things can be remedied by existing features on video chat platforms. We mentioned uh, hiding the self-image button. To hide the view of your own face while you're video chatting with others. But otherwise, researchers expect we will eventually adapt to using video chats more comfortably, just as we once adapted social protocols for, say, using elevators when those came into common use. Uh, Many of those same things. People were crowded together and weren't as comfortable with being so close uh, to others and just standing there writing up the elevator and kind of awkward moments but we adjusted we adapted and i say we will do the same thing with video conferences eventually but if you are tired of video conferences again take comfort you are not alone Uh, there are specific scientific reasons for it and uh, in some cases things you can do about it and interesting stuff research from stanford university in our daily download this morning (music) Well, if you have kids, you know that mealtime is always an adventure. The American Academy of Pediatrics is out with new dietary guidelines for children, including for the first time guidelines for little ones under the age of two board certified pediatrician dr candace jones is with us this morning and i'm guessing that the thought process is that if you can get kids eating right before they hit those terrible twos it'll be easier to keep them eating healthy throughout their entire childhood right is that the idea here
5: you got it and i'm done (laughs) (laughs) so i want to add that the new dietary guidelines for americans which closely mirror the American Academy of Pediatric Recommendations uh, are to promote a healthy, balanced diet. And as you said, um, and I explained to parents that the first two years of life is a crucial period to help their kids learn to like healthy foods and build healthy eating habits. And since small children eat small amounts, parents need to make every bite and every sip count by providing a wide variety of nutritious foods from all the food groups. That dairy,
0: grains, fruits, vegetables, and protein. Yeah, that that you bring up a good point. They they don't eat much, so every uh, bite takes on added significance. So let's start there. What can our when, first of all, when can our littlest ones start eating uh, solid food, and and what should they be eating? That's
5: a great question. So we'll start from the beginning. In the first six months of life, infants should get breast milk only if possible. Then around six months, you start to introduce a wide variety of complementary puree foods, one new food at a time, so that children get different flavors and textures. So you can introduce low-fat plain yogurt, cheeses, oatmeal, meats, beans, fruits, and vegetables. And also, it's important to introduce those common allergy foods like dairy, eggs, fish nuts to prevent the development of food allergies. And as kids get older, it's important that we continue that nutritious, well-balanced diet. Um, The kids tend to start to like sugary beverages and processed packaged foods, and we want to counteract that by offering low-fat milk with meals, water in between, and real whole food snacks.
0: I was going to uh, mention, you know, once you get to age two and up then, what is the, the latest guidance as they get older?
5: Absolutely. Continue um, what you're doing to keep those meals nutritious and well-balanced. Um, definitely keep an eye out for those sugary drinks, as I said, mm. and the packaged, processed, quick foods that kids in that age range tend to love. And again, always trying to infuse those healthy eating habits and those healthy foods. So just to repeat, um, one way to do that is to say, we drink low-fat milk for meals and we drink water in between. So you want to keep them away from those sugary beverages. Yeah. And then set out a bowl of fresh fruits and vegetables that they can snack on or some type of whole, group, whole grain. Um, snacks or dairy snacks like yogurt
0: as we said at the outset anyone with kids knows that mealtime can sometimes be an adventure you have any uh helpful tips for parents or or hacks to help caregivers incorporate some of this advice uh, in the real world
5: yes in the real world first we have to model for our kids we have to eat healthy ourselves and sit at the table with them to eat Also, for picky eaters, we have a rule in pediatrics that you have to offer uh, certain foods up to 10 times before they will take it. So don't give up. And then you can hide healthy veggies and fruits or things they don't like in certain um, foods that they do like, like smoothies with yogurt, a favorite fruit, and spinach, for example. Make snacks fun and make them whole and healthy. Um, And for more information, they can go to healthychildren.org or MyPlate.gov for more examples.
0: Now, I do want to take a moment as well to address this issue because we are now a year into this pandemic. We have seen those long lines for food banks as families struggle financially. How has the growing incidence of food insecurity impacted child nutrition and health overall? And what do you say to those uh, parents who are just worried about Putting food on the table at all, much less about its ultimate nutritional value?
5: That's a great question and and definitely a concern in these times. It's estimated that one in four children are food insecure. As you said, families are strained financially and finding it hard to provide a healthy meal for their kids. Um, Children, some of them are out of school and missing a healthy meal. Um, So it's important for families that are in this situation, to know they're not alone, to reach out for help. You can talk to your pediatrician for resources and to your local church or food pantry because a lack of healthy uh, nutrition definitely can impact the health and well-being of
0: your children. Certainly important to recognize the fact that, yes, uh, people are struggling, but this is a problem that will snowball and just get worse if we don't uh, make sure that we uh, take it seriously now. Uh, again, uh, board-certified pediatrician, Dr. Candace Jones, with us this morning. Some of those dietary guidelines for children, as we mentioned, again, for the first time, uh, including those under the age of two. You referenced the website where folks can get more information. Let's mention that again.
5: Sure. Please visit healthychildren.org. It is a website from the American Academy of Pediatrics for Parents. It's pediatrician-approved, so you can trust it. Um, also, myplate.gov will show parents what a healthy plate looks like, offer up some healthy meal prep and menus, and even help you uh, understand correct serving size for different age children.
0: Including adults, because just to reiter- reiterate what you were saying, we need to set a good example. Dr. Jones, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that will put a wraps on our podcast. Once again, for today, remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. We invite you to bookmark our page and check back every day for the very latest happenings on the program. Coming up tomorrow, as we wrap up the week, we're going to try this again. Cedar Point gearing up for a second take on their 150th anniversary season that was... Kind of undermined by the coronavirus last year, we get a preview of everything it is that is new for the upcoming year, for the upcoming season at America's Roller Coast. Plus, more recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Get a weekend basketball preview as uh, high school boys basketball heading into the postseason tournament. All of that and more coming up tomorrow. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning going out and making a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.